Hello, and welcome back to Texas Tech Health Check from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. Acne can be a problem for all of us, even adults. What should you do if you get a pimple or an acne flare-up? Dr. Michelle Tarbox is a dermatologist at Texas Tech Physicians and an associate professor at TTUHSC. Dr. Tarbox explains how acne forms, why we get it, how to treat it, and what to do if we get a pimple right before an important event. Dr. Tarbox, welcome back to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. Can you just remind our listeners your expertise and what you do here at the Health Sciences Center? Yes, ma'am. I am an associate professor of dermatology and dermatopathology at Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center in beautiful, sunny Lubbock, Texas. Well, again, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here to talk about one of my favorite topics because it's a very common condition and it affects a lot of people. Well, yes, now that you mentioned it, what is acne and what causes it? Well, in contrast to what we might have all been told growing up, it's not punishment for a bad diet or anything, although there is some role for diet with acne, which I'll get into later. But it really is just a process that's an inflammatory condition where the hair follicles get plugged up for a variety of reasons, and then they sort of dilate and sometimes actually kind of explode into the connective tissue around each hair follicle. If you've ever had a splinter, you know how irritating something that's not supposed to be in the skin can feel to the skin. When you're dealing with a pimple, especially a nodular pimple, something that's gotten large and maybe has a big pustule on top of it, often that's a ruptured hair follicle that got backed up and full of debris and then sort of exploded into the surrounding deeper layers of the skin. When that happens, that dead skin cell protein keratin acts like an irritant to the tissue and it brings a lot of inflammation into the area. So you end up with a pustule, you have a lot of neutrophils rushing in to take care of this foreign invader that the skin doesn't know why it's there. And you get a lot of inflammation, redness, and sometimes even swelling. So acne is really just plugging up of the hair follicles. Our hair follicles grow from the bulb and they have an attached sebaceous gland that actually has an important job to do. Our sebaceous glands are supposed to help lubricate and moisturize our skin surface. And that oil that they produce is supposed to come up the hair shaft and then go onto the skin surface to help moisturize it. And it's a wonderful thing when that process works properly. When it doesn't, when the hair follicle gets plugged up by dead skin cells or extra oil production, then we run into trouble. So we start to develop the acne lesions. And I'll talk to, that, talk to you a little bit more about that with the different types of acne. Now, what doesn't cause acne? So, you know, things that, that people kind of blame acne on sometimes probably don't cause very much acne. We think about, you know... Stress can certainly bring acne on. Certain types of diet can, can frustrate things if you're dealing with a high glycemic index diet, lots of processed foods, those are pro-inflammatory. But just eating chocolate is not what's causing those pimples. Since you mentioned it, what are the different types of acne? And when should someone see a dermatologist? Excellent question. The first lesion of acne is what we call a comedone, and everyone is familiar with those. If they look closely enough in the mirror, they're going to have at least a few on their nose. So comedone just is a plugged up hair follicle, and it can be either open or closed. When it's open, the keratin oxidizes and it turns black. So guess what we call those? Blackheads. Blackheads, exactly. Now, it's a little bit more complicated when they're not open yet. So a closed comedone, a lot of people will see those and, you know, that that keratin that's not oxidized, that happens to be white. So what do you suppose we call those? 
Whiteheads. Exactly. So whiteheads and blackheads. Those are those first lesions of acne. Now, once that plug is there long enough, you can develop a little bit of a backup of the pressure from the oil-making gland that's still trying to do its job making oil, and it pushes up against that plug, and then when there's no way for it to get out like it's supposed to, it instead goes in and it ruptures inside the dermis. So then you develop a pustule, and then even if that process continues further, you get a nodule. Nodular acne is when you need to really see a dermatologist or another physician that treats skin conditions because nodular acne scars. The other precursor lesions tend not to unless they're picked at. But if you're developing nodules, you definitely want to see a dermatologist. You'd also want to see a dermatologist if the acne is uncontrolled, if it's affecting your quality of life, if it's causing pain or discomfort. And for a lot of patients, if it's causing psychosocial dysfunction. There are good studies that show us that people who have active acne are a little bit less likely to engage in social conversation, and they're also perceived as less likely to be sociable or sometimes even trustworthy. It can be a very important modifier of a person's life experience. The good news is there's lots of ways to treat it. How do you treat acne? And are products that we buy at the drugstore or big box stores helpful? There are actually a lot of good quality acne treatments available over the counter, and I love to make people aware of these because I know I can't see every patient that has acne. It's a very common disease. And there's a lot of patients that can successfully treat themselves with over-the-counter products. There's some really good quality ones I want to focus on ingredients. So our first medication that we like to treat acne with as dermatologists is some kind of a retinoid. Retinoids are a vitamin A derivative, and they work because they're actually very powerful molecules in the skin. They actually modify gene expression at the level of the nucleus. Did you know that? No. It's really cool. So they're kind of like a hormone, but not like a male or female type hormone. Certainly not an I want to pump you up type of hormone. They're a hormone that changes gene expression, and they can do this in keratinocytes, the skin cells, in a way that makes acne less likely to happen. So they make the skin cells behave in a more mature and organized fashion. So they're maturing normally to the top of the epidermis, and they're not forming plugs over the hair follicles to cause that backup we talked about later. Vitamin A derivatives available over the counter. The easiest one to get your hands on on are adapalene. Those went over the counter a couple of years ago, and I was actually very grateful when they did because that brought the price down significantly. Adapalene is a gentle retinoid. It can be used in either daytime or nighttime because it's photostable as a contrast to prescription tretinoin, which has to be used at night because it is not photostable. Different can be overused and cause irritation, but if you're gentle with it, most patients tolerate it very well. That comes over the counter as either different gel with adapalene in it, or La Roche-Posay also has a product called Effaclair that has the adapalene in it. Now, both of those major brands also have a benzoyl peroxide product, so read your labels carefully. There is a different branded product that has benzoyl peroxide in it. There's also a La Roche-Posay Effaclair Duo that has benzoyl peroxide in it. And then a third product I really like is the CeraVe Facial Cleanser with benzoyl peroxide. That's a little bit gentler. Benzoyl peroxide is a good topical treatment for acne that's over-the-counter for two big reasons. It's an exfoliant of dead skin cells. So remember that plug we're talking about. And then we haven't talked about the nefarious critter that causes acne. That little creature's name is, depending on who you ask, it's either Propionobacterium acnes or Cutibacterium acnes. So Cutibacterium acnes is its newer updated name because microbiologists like to rename things. I'm sure they have a rationale for it. I haven't delved that deeply into why they renamed this particular one. But this little bacterium is a farmer. It's fascinating. It actually makes the skin cells that are close to the hair follicle stickier to each other. So they make that physical plug. If you think about beavers making a dam, I think of these bacteria in that way. And what I love about benzoyl peroxide is... 
kills those bacteria in a way they cannot become resistant to, which is fantastic. So benzoyl peroxide and adapalene are both easy to get over the counter. Other over-the-counter things that can be used, salicylic acid. This is an old mainstay of acne treatment as a chemical exfoliant. It works well for most patients, but can be somewhat irritating. Of course, you want to keep it out of your eyes and things like that. There's a lot of over-the-counter products that have salicylic acid, like the Neutrogena wash for acne or the Cleaning Clear product line. Those are both salicylic acid containing. And then finally, another ingredient you can get over the counter now is azelaic acid. Now this one's a little bit tricky because azelaic acid is, I don't believe yet completely approved for over-the-counter dispensation in the United States, but there are companies that retail in big stores that are from the UK. And so there's a company from the UK called The Ordinary that makes a very nice azelaic acid 10% suspension that can be bought at like Sephora or Ulta Beauty for a very reasonable price. The thing I like about azelaic acid is it's gentle. It works very well for post-inflammatory pigment change that happens with acne, so brown spots on the skin that follow the acne breakout, which are very common for a lot of patients. And it's also so safe it can be used in pregnant ladies. So that is the one medication out of those three that would be the highest recommendation for somebody who is breastfeeding or pregnant. You could also potentially safely use the benzoyl peroxide that was uh, established by expert opinion, but no studies have been done on that because it's hard to get pregnant ladies to line up and let you study things on them, understandably. But there are some great products over the counter to treat acne. And then, of course, as a dermatologist, I have a whole armamentarium of weapons behind me to deal with our foe of acne and the propionobacterium acnes if we can't get it to behave with those over the counters. What's the best way to avoid getting breakouts? The really best way to help do that is to be gentle and thoughtful with your skincare. So a lot of times when you're plagued by acne, you sort of have the nuke them all and let God sort it out mentality towards how to get rid of these dadgum pimples. And I certainly was guilty of that as a teenager. I remember putting anything I could find on my pimples to try to get them to go away. Toothpaste, nail polish remover. I don't recommend either of those now. I'm better informed at this point in my life. But what you really want to do is actually good, gentle skincare. You want to keep the skin cleansed. You want to avoid touching it as much as possible. We do tend to touch our faces a lot subconsciously as humans all throughout the day and dirt and oil and things like that accumulate on our finger surfaces. We don't necessarily want to inoculate those into our facial skin. You want to use a good gentle moisturizer that's made to be what we call non-acnegenic or non-comedogenic. Remember we talked about those closed comedones and open comedones which are blackheads and whiteheads. Non-comedogenic means it doesn't make acne. Non-acnegenic is the same word. It just is easier for people to understand. So your products that you're putting on your face, if you are prone to making acne, should all say that, especially your moisturizers, because some moisturizers were not designed for people who are making breakouts with acne. So you have to choose your moisturizer well. Protecting your skin from the sun is also very important. And I know some of my patients will tan because they feel like going to the tanning bed cleans up their acne. And it does temporarily, but it's a trick. The reason it works temporarily is that the UV radiation that you get in a tanning booth actually decreases the inflammatory cell population in the skin and doesn't let it do its job of policing and regulating any infections or things like that. So temporarily, the redness from the acne bumps and things like that goes away because you've put the like sort of sleep switch on the immune system. It's like, shh, sleep now. But the problem with that is... Propionobacterium is still there, so the bacteria is still there. And if you've ruptured a hair follicle, those foreign material that you get, the, the oil of the skin, the keratin flakes, that's still in the dermis. And when the immune system inevitably wakes back up, those lesions are going to be even angrier at that point. So while tanning seems like it's something that could be beneficial, it really isn't. And of course, you're also dealing potentially with the later on cost of increased skin aging, as well as increased risk for skin cancer. So I don't recommend that. 
an area that people tend to overlook is actually their scalp care. So a lot of the oil, especially on the upper part of our face, is going to come from our scalp oil. And if we're not tending to our scalp health and our hair care, that's also going to help break us out. So you want to make sure that you're shampooing regularly with a good gentle shampoo. Some patients overgrow a kind of yeast called Melisesia furfur or Pterosporum ovale. Remember, microbiologists like to name things. So this can be treated successfully with some over-the-counter shampoos, like Nizerol shampoo, which has ketoconazole as an active ingredient, or any of the Head & Shoulders line. Zinc pyrithione is an ingredient that's been around forever. Zinc has been used for skin health since the times of the Egyptian pyramids. There's actually hieroglyphics depicting the use of zinc as a skin medicinal that far back in time. And it's helpful because it actually also decreases the population of that yeast. So any of those topical over-the-counter shampoos can also be beneficial. Well, it's that time of year where we have a lot of awards ceremonies and graduations and proms and just big events, nice events. If we have an important event and develop a pimple, is it better to leave it alone, cover it up, or to pop it? That's a great question. So if you have an important event coming up and you have a big mean pimple trying to ruin your special day, if you have an established relationship with your dermatologist, most dermatologists will get people in as a special appointment just to maybe put a little drop of steroid medicine with an injection into that mean pimple to settle it down. That's the very best way to deal with it. And that's how dermatologists generally deal with these things themselves. So I'll, I'll say that when I have an inopportune breakout and I have my head about me, usually I will do that little drop of steroid medicine. Now that has to be done carefully so that you don't get any atrophy. But if you have somebody who is a person who's been treating you that you're comfortable with, that's a great way to deal with it. Now, let's say you're out in the desert, you don't have access to a dermatologist, what do you do? So that's going to depend on the stage of the lesion. A lot of times when a big pimple is trying to erupt, you'll have this almost hive-like stage that's the first part of it, where it's a bump, but you can't really perceive a white head, you can't see a pustule. It's just a big, pink, angry bump. At that stage, typically, the lesion isn't organized enough to be successfully drained. So if you poke at it, all you're going to do is introduce bacteria and make it angry. So at that stage, I don't recommend people poking it. I would recommend covering it with makeup. If you have a special event, some people will actually at that stage even make a little like beauty mark out of it. So that's a that's a, tr a trick that a lot of celebrities actually will do is they'll pencil in a little beauty mark over a burgeoning pimple just to give it a little bit of sort of graphic appeal, I suppose. Now, if you can see a pustule, like you can actually see white pus sitting right at the surface of the skin, that's the stage where I would recommend very carefully either using a little clean needle that you've cleansed with alcohol to just kind of break that surface tension of the skin and let the pus out, or having somebody help you assist with what's called an extraction. Maybe a facialist or, or potentially one of your medical providers. That's the stage when it might be productive to actually pop the pimple. Anything beyond that, though, you want to leave it alone. And you definitely don't want to do the death grip, two-finger squeeze thing, because all that does is push all of that schmutz deeper in the dermis. So if you have a pimple that's really ready to pop, and you just kind of rupture that surface epidermis that's holding the pustule in, in its contents into the skin, you can wipe that away with a warm, wet washcloth. That's as much debridement as you need. Now, if you really do that two-finger squish thing, if you didn't listen to me like I didn't listen to me earlier this week, then what you're going to have is an inflamed lesion with no intact stratum corneum on top of it. Makeup is designed to attach to your stratum corneum. When you have a big, angry, ruptured, red, inflamed lesion that may be 
weeping or leaking a little bit of fluid, covering that can be very difficult. So at that stage, what you're trying to do is just kind of dry it up a little bit. There's a over-the-counter product I like very much for that called Prosacea. It has a little bit of sulfur in it. It's a shake, you kind of shake the product and you put a little dot of it onto the skin as an anti-inflammatory that tends to work very well. But it also dries the lesion enough that you could put some makeup over it to cover it. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add? The, the biggest thing to add is if your acne is leaving scars, if you're starting to notice that the acne is leaving footprints behind, that's when you really want to get in and see a physician that treats acne. Because once acne starts leaving footprints, those footprints are permanent. And we don't want to accumulate a whole lot of acne scarring that is hard to treat, difficult to resolve, and also impacts people's psychosocial functioning for a lot of patients. So if you're developing those scars on your face, you get somebody on the phone and, and try, to, try to get an appointment. Well, thanks again for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy it. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susanna Cisneros, Mark Hendricks, Kay Williams, and me, Melissa Whitfield. <laughs>